Okay, welcome to Bagpipe Nation. It's March 10th, uh, 2011, and because we can't go live tonight, we've decided to uh, have Adam Holdaway uh, back on with a quick interview uh, because he got caught off last week and we want to learn more about him. And so I'm going to turn it over to my illustrious co-host, Vin Janowski, who uh, is going to ask Adam some questions about his history, and uh, hopefully we'll get some good stuff out of it. So, Vin, fire away. Good evening. Hello, Adam. Um, I don't. You, uh, well, obviously, you know, Stuart Highlanders is sort of uh, is the current gig you're at, but I'm sure you started piping at some point. Um, so, who who were your first teachers? Well, yeah, I started when I was 12 years old. Uh, my first teacher was a fellow named Archie McLeod, who was uh, born in Scotland, uh, moved to Boston, started his family, and uh, several pipe bands. One of them being the Stuart Highlanders. That's, that's pretty good. Is this the current group? I mean, is it affiliated with the current group, or is that is a different band altogether? Well, it's a different band altogether, but it's uh, essentially the same same band. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same uh, organization that uh, sort of transformed maybe over the years a little bit. Correct. Yeah, it was started in 1964, and believe it or not, it was started by parishioners of the first parish church in Bedford, Mass. Uh, and it was supposed to be a banjo band. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But, uh, <laughs> they uh, they decided that instruction for a banjo band was going to be too hard to to find, so they found Archie to provide piping instruction. <laughs> oh, plenty of pipers around. Let's get one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Definitely. Exactly. So, um, so great. And so, how did you sort of um, how did you progress uh, to the point where you are now? Like, um, did you were you a solo competitor, or were you mostly just uh, into the band thing? Um, I was into the band thing. That, that was the first thing I saw was the band on parade. And then, uh, I met Archie, started taking lessons and he taught me a lot of the core rep for about two years. And then right about that same time, um, Talakard, which was a new grade two band, kind of was the new kid on the block. And they were only about 15 minutes away from um, where I was living at the time. So I figured, well, a grade two band that just pops up out of nowhere, I'm going to check that out. So that's uh, about the same time as I started getting into solo competitions. And Yeah, and I mean, would it be fair to say, um, and I certainly remember Telecard really well because at that time, um, Oren Moore was just uh, was, was just starting to, I think that would have been, we were just starting to hit the top of grade three when Telecard appeared on the scene and uh, we sort of became rival bands for quite a few years. And then right. would it be, and it was, it was a good rivalry too. I mean, from what I recall, um, you guys did lots of really good stuff. And uh, I know that Scott Armit eventually took over the core there as well. Um, right. Which, which, uh, which was cool. And, and uh, um, would it be fair to say that the Stuart Highlanders is perhaps, uh, you know, how do I put this? Like sort of, a, a bit of an offshoot from when Telecard sort of ceased to be or, or do you not like that generalization or how do you, what do you think about that? 
Um, I, I, I think that there are several players in the band that had played with Fellow Guard, but there are also several players in the band that had played with Manchester and, uh, and other bands of the like. So I, I wouldn't say it's an, an offshoot. Um, when, when Stuart Highlanders decided that they, they wanted to, um, to be a little bit more competitive, they sought out instruction. And since they were my first band, you know, it was kind of a, a natural thing for me to, to come in and, and start helping out. And um, I think Telcard was just, you know, they were losing a few members. Some members had left, gone to college, et cetera. So um, I, I, no, I don't like that generalization. I, I don't okay. really think it's a, an offshoot. But, you know, uh, there are a, quite a few players that have played in Telecard that, that also well, play. Yeah, I, would, I would imagine that, I mean, that the band itself is more like a, you know, sort of a next step evolution for uh, bands or pipers in the area. I mean, you had Telecard, you had uh, Manchester, you know, before that. You know, a lot of these, you know, right. decent bands that were sort of, you know, kicking up the scene for a while. Right. And then, you know, eventually sort of went their separate ways. And, you know, Worcester was another one that, that sort of, re- you know, resurfaced for a, a period of time, you know, Got, was looking pretty good, and then all of a sudden that sort of you know dissipated it, as well. It so. would be interesting, uh, Adam. It'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on that. And I know you know um, I'm pipe major of the Oren Moore pipe band, and uh, you know we're another another you know top band in the Northeast, um, and we're we're playing certainly at the highest level that we can, uh, you know, <laughs> the highest level that we can, and uh, you know I know that our band has a lot of players that played in former great bands. What do you think it is that, what do you think it is that makes it so difficult to, you know, keep high level bands together? Well, and, uh, you know, and intermediate and lower level bands as well. Uh, you know, what do you think, what are the biggest challenges here in our area, you know, keeping a pipe band going and keeping it together? Um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not so sure. I think that it's our immediate area as in the Northeast. I think it's a, a United States thing. Um, not that we're not capable of doing it, not that we don't have the leadership, but we all lead very busy lives. And it's really hard to get that time off of work if you have a you know 40-hour-a-week job. Sometimes you have to work weekends. We have our families. There's health insurance you have to think about. So I, I think that it's not so much that we don't have the talent. I think it's just the finding the time to devote to all this. We don't have mandatory vacation like a lot of uh, European countries say to have a minimum of, you know, three weeks vacation, four weeks vacation on the course of a year. That's a lot of vacation. So, you could go to the world's and cow. Try and get something done. <laughs> 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 um, what, um, I mean, I, I sometimes speculate and uh, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on this, but I sometimes speculate that, um, it's a population density thing. Uh, for example, in the UK and in Northern Ireland, uh, I mean, obviously there are some, obviously there are rural areas, but the overall population density is is uh, much tighter than it would be on average across the United States. Um, I mean, uh, even in populated state, well, upstate New York, where we are, it's like, well, New York City is uh, very populated, but um, other than that, it's sort of, Everything is really far apart. Uh, when I lived in Vancouver and I was part of that scene, uh, Vancouver is a very sort of high-density, highly concentrated area and also happens to have a large population of Scottish and 
Irish immigrants, which might have something to do with it. I mean, do you think that's maybe what it is? Is sort of the agrarian spread of of uh, um, the United States? Maybe that's part of it. It very well could be, but it, like you said before, it's also a cultural thing. Um, you know, bagpipes are not part of America. Well, they're becoming more part of an American culture, but. You know, you look at in Scotland, in even in some parts of Canada, the middle schools and the high schools have bagpipe programs, and we don't have a whole lot of that here. Um, That's true. You know, how, how many people grow up in the U.S. with their parents playing pipes? I'm sure a lot more now because we have um, higher numbers of pipers and drummers. But you know, it was not even close to being anything in my family. I just happened to see them one day and said, "I have to do that." Yeah, I mean, I was fortunate enough that my dad was a piper, and I think that certainly had a big influence on my enthusiasm and also my, you know, ability to get lessons often enough to develop really good technique and stuff. Um, so, as pipe major of Stuart Highlanders, like, what are your ambitions? What are you What are you guys trying to achieve? I know you're going to the worlds this year in grade two, but what else yeah. What else can you tell us about? Like, what's the big picture? What are we gonna What are we looking at uh, when we see the Stuart Highlanders? Well, I think the big picture has always been a small picture at a time in uh, small frames. Uh, we just want to be the best band. I want the band to be the best band that it can be, not just playing wise, but I want it to be a fun group that people actually want to come and, and play. I want people who are there to to want to work and want to achieve you know, the, the, uh, like you say, achieve the, the big picture of winning and playing the best again and, and, and having fun doing it. That's always been my biggest, uh, my biggest thing is have fun, play the best you can and let the results fall where they lie. Yeah. I, I mean, how, how, so, you know, and those, that's all great stuff. I mean, how do you think, you know, do you have, uh, plans to, um, to carry it out in, in what really now is sort of like a desolate grade two landscape here in the East, you know, um, you know, I mean, like how, how do you actually keep it going when, when your competitive opportunities are, are, are narrow are so narrow like they are now? Yeah, they're, they're pretty narrow. Uh, well, you just hope that, uh, other bands kind of follow the same model and, you know, get better to get to that level. Um, I'd love to see more bands. What, uh, and Andrew, you'll remember uh, when Telecard was around, we had five, six bands in, in the Northeast uh, in grade two. It was a pretty good grade two contest. It was. I mean, I'm trying to remember. I mean, there, were, there would have been Oren Moore, Telecard, and then there was Worcester, which was always playing. Manchester was still Worcester. kicking around at that time, too. or you know. Manchester, Saffron. Yeah, Saffron was there in grade two at the point. At that point. There was, I think Monaghan was around at that time, too, weren't they? Or was that yeah. Yeah, wow. That's... So at any given contest, you could have a good grade two six-band contest. Um, and it just kind of seems like all these bands have, have kind of shifted around and, 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 and relocated their, their talents to different places. Now you've got New York Metro popping up, which probably has a chunk of uh, Monaghan and Saffron and, and some of those uh, city bands. Um, you know, Stuart Highlanders, obviously picked up some members from Worcester and Manchester and Telecard and, and so has Owen Moore. So mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it almost you know, it's, it's a lot of these bands seem to almost do better in isolation than they do you know in a thriving scene. It's really funny. You know, <laughs> well, it's, it's hard. Uh, I mean, Stewart's Stewart's a, a good band, and you know, Owen Moore's you know sort of you know kicking it up as well. And you got New York Metro, all three of which are pretty much uncontested, you know, for the most part. Um, right. And it's and it's kind of interesting, you know, like in a thriving scene where you have you know six or seven bands you're constantly competing against, and you have good contests everywhere you go. It's almost it seems more difficult, doesn't it? Like you know, it's almost it was the undoing of a lot of these bands. I think almost. I mean, it's well, just you had five, five or six bands within a couple of hundred miles of each other, and it's almost like everyone was fighting over the same chunk of players. Right and now that it's a little bit more spread out, you know, it's not everyone fighting for the same handful of people everyone has a choice to where they want to go you know yeah, you know the one sorry yeah i was just uh, i think it's very interesting uh, and again I'm, I'm sort of just talking off the top of my head here and it might come out sounding kind of ridiculous but um yeah you could say that that uh you could almost you could be tempted to say uh let's put it that way that that having so many good bands in a close area um you know can be it can almost it can almost detract from the quality of the scene, uh, and again, I'm sorry if anyone from Ontario is listening, but uh, Ontario the Ontario Grade One scene uh, comes to mind as bands that they, you know players keep see uh, keep, they seem to keep going back and forth, especially <laughs> drum corps. I mean, I'm sure they don't like that stereotype, uh, but the drum corps seem to be going back and forth a lot. You know, players seem to switch bands a lot, and it's almost like, well, first of all, it makes me wonder why this is happening, and then second of all, it also makes me wonder uh, if people stayed put a little bit longer, if uh, you know, with a little bit more patience, if more could be achieved. What do you, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Anybody? I, I would, uh, I would, uh, I would probably tend to agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the, th- in the three-year plan. If you're going to join a band, sign on for three years and see what happens. That's that's interesting to hear you say that. I mean, uh, uh, so is that is that something that you talk with your players about? Like, you know, give me three years, and you know, before you make any big moves, or, or uh, is that just your own personal thing? That's my own personal thing. I mean, you can't tell someone what to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? If they don't like what's happening, they're going to go. Um, but. <laughs> three years i i think that that's a, a pretty good uh a time it's tough to sign on for one year one and done that doesn't serve any purpose it doesn't help anybody um so if you're going to be you know a contributing member not just you know a fly-in kind of i play at these certain games and then and then leave if you're going to be a or a group member sign on for three years and see what happens if you know if you don't see the improvement after three years then you know you're you're free to go but, uh, so are you saying you're not you're not supplementing your ranks by flying in, by paying plane tickets, and flying in, guys? You're not one of those bands. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. But the quick fix isn't going to get you anywhere. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely tend to agree with you there. Um, so tell us about your world's trip. Like, uh, what's the plan? And and uh, you know, are you playing any other contests beforehand or? Um, we uh, we've been playing this trip for two years, uh, just because we, this is our first time going over. We're not quite sure what to expect. Obviously, we've had some members that have gone and played, but this is my first time planning uh, everything kind of from scratch. 
so we've been fundraising for two years just to make sure that the band can basically cover everything other than people's airfare. I think that's a pretty fair, uh, pretty fair uh, trade-off there. Mm-hmm. So uh, we decided that it was just going to be too hard. We have a lot of people with young families, people just um, starting, people getting married. So I thought that going over the weekend before would be just a little bit too much for folks. So we're, uh, I told everyone to get there for the Sunday and the Monday would be our first uh, rehearsal, and we'll be staying at Strathclyde University this year. Oh, great. Um, just because of its proximity to to the uh, to the games field, and uh, I do know about the proximity to the Todd Bar, <laughs> so I'm hoping to keep everyone keep everyone's eye on the prize there. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, right. <laughs> word, word travels fast, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, well, certainly, so, um, certainly yeah, make sure you just spend over for the world. Yeah, make sure you spend some time there because it is a really fun time at the Todd Bar, and there's lots of cool. Lots of great piping happening there now. It's like uh, uh, piping live's a great thing. Are you guys going to be playing at the uh, uh, George, any of the George Square sort of little concerts? Have you thought about that at all? Yeah, I gave it a lot of thought, and I, I, it's something that I'd really like to do, but the, the only thing I, I don't like is even if it's raining, you still have to play, and um, I'm not about to, to do that. So. Now is the band is the band on sheep bags? Is that right or? Uh, yeah, well, everyone's playing uh, sheepskin bag. Which, and then, uh, what uh, I mean, uh, Oren Moore is in the same boat uh, as well. W- you know, tell us a little bit about the philosophy of playing uh, sheep sheepskin bags. Like, uh, I think that'd be interesting for people to to hear your point of view on that because it's. I, I think it would be fair to say a, a lot of bands are still, uh, and probably will forever be um, hooked on the synthetic product. But uh, you know. Tell us about, you know, what, how you feel about sheepskin. Uh, when I first started playing, I played one of those L&M, you know, the uh, elk bags, the, the brown leather, and uh, it, it was pretty good. But then uh, as soon as I could get over to a Ross system, you know, it was like the newest thing, and it was great. And I played a Ross or, or a Gore-Tex bag all the way up until maybe about three or four years ago. And... Um, I tried one of the Bennett goat skin bags. Uh, they were having some kind of a sale on there. I said, oh, let's see what this does. And the minute I tied that thing on, it was, it was unbelievable. It, it was unbelievable. I have never played a better bag than, than, a, than a sheep or a goat. What's the difference? Great. I mean, uh, sorry to change gears so fast, but uh, tell me about the goat skin. I've been kind of curious to see, like, how does it, how does it uh, relate to a sheep? Well, it's a little bit thicker. So if you have, or is it a little bit more absorbent in that sense? Okay. Uh, but the, the sound is, is nearly the same. There's no major differences. That's cool. I mean, I know, uh, I think most grade one bands um, that I like to hear are all playing some sort of hide setup. I th- you know, it... it uh, well, now they are too. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a pretty a pretty steady evolution, you know, or a process from the synthetics too. It was like, you know, it's gone, gone both ways, hasn't it? You know, like a lot of these top bands moved over to a synthetic bag of some sort and then moved back <laughs> to sheepskin, you know? Yeah, I, I think that uh, the top bands, I mean, uh, in 2005, uh, when I was in the band, uh, SFU, we did try a synthetic thing, but it's very short lived. Uh, it was really hard for, for the band to get the sound that they wanted on that setup. And, uh, uh, and even though bands, bands went 
synthetic, the top bands never did. I mean, what I consider to be the top bands anyway, like Field Marshal, um, SFU. I thought, didn't Field Marshal, didn't Field Marshal have like a whole, you know, sprinkling of Ross bags in there at one point? I, 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 I seem to remember that SFU being, you know, like one of the very few at that top group playing sheepskin and were suffering for it at one point. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. Um, it's, it's yeah, high, I, don't, I don't know Richard Parks personally. Uh, I may have met him once. Uh, but I don't know him personally, but it's hard. I have this image in my head that he couldn't be a synthetic guy, but who knows? I could be, maybe he's just, maybe I know, I know St. Lawrence O'Toole played Ross Bags for a long time. And, uh, you know, and then when he started sort of, uh, hitting the grade one, um, you know, it wasn't, probably wasn't until they switched really where they started really making a big dent, you know, and it was probably other factors too, but you know, you, you know, you have to think about all the sort of corresponding factors that, that go into that, you know, that kind of process. You know, the band's always been very good, but, you know, it wasn't until, like, everything fell into place. And that one of those things is, you know, the Hyde setup, you know, being the key component to their sound, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's hard to speak to uh, how bands get to where they get, you know. Uh, I think uh, certainly I, I think that St. Lawrence and uh, SFU and Field Marshall as well, you know, it's the it's the sound. And it's not just the sound that you get on the world CD, but if you get up, if you get up uh, within 20 feet of any of those three bands, it's a truly remarkable, uh, you know, experience that uh, only bands that are playing sheep seem to be able to get. So, uh, well, you can feel it, not just hear it, you feel it. Yeah. It's, and it really is profound. It's, uh, and as much as the Ross bag is a pretty cool contraption, I don't think I don't some, for some reason it does. I don't think it has, uh, the means to get that same sort of sensation. I don't know. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, you know, you, you think you sort of like handpick the bands that are, I mean, I think I know, and there's a lot of, and there's a handful of bands who are really starting to go all high, even at the lower grades, which is a good thing. You know, it's, um, you know, you, so you have to like wonder like how, the, how these trends sort of move, you know, if they, if they, they may actually like help a lot of these, old, you know, lower level bands be that much better, hopefully, which is sort of counterintuitive to the whole idea of going to back in the first place, you know. Um, Definitely. So, um, yeah, I, do you have anything else for Adam Vin? Because I think that's a, a good flavoring there. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, this, the bands I, I know has got a concert in a couple of weeks, right, oh, Adam? Yeah. yeah, we're having a concert on the 26th of this month in uh, Chelmsford, uh, Massachusetts, which is a, a town about 30 minutes north of Boston, about 10 minutes from the New Hampshire border. And uh, this will be our seventh annual concert uh, that we've put on and uh, hoping to uh, sell out. We were just shy of selling out last year. So. Well, that, that'll be good. And I know that uh, the Back Bay contest is also that morning. So maybe uh, it is that morning. anyone that's out there listening, should uh, you can have a double header if you uh, went to the contest and then went to the show that night, which um, I think that could be cool to come out and support what's going on, what you, what you guys are doing out there, which I, I think, um, is proving to be really positive, really good, really good things happening. And so, uh, on that note, I'd like to thank you for spending the time with us and, um, looking forward to, I guess we'll be at the, Oren Moore will be at the Manchester indoor. So I'll be looking forward to hearing the band there. Oh, likewise. Thanks for having me on. Great, Adam. Thanks very Thanks much. All right, guys. All right, guys. All right, guys. All right, guys.